0: The show you love with even more local local news news and more local talk. The voice of the valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's your host, Mike Douglas.
1: And a great Wednesday afternoon to you here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas with you Honored, as always, to be your concierge for conversations as we get things going this afternoon. And this afternoon, as you may recall, we are under a flex alert uh, that by the California Independent Systems Operator. I'm looking at their website right now. They're asking for voluntary compliance with uh, conserving electricity as much as possible from 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. tonight i'm looking at their current capacity here at the moment let me bring this up uh right now it looks like uh, they're operating at about uh, oh maybe 70 some odd percent capacity uh looks like uh, a decent amount of uh, milliwatts uh megawatts left um Uh, for the rest of, uh, for the rest of the time period, uh, well, that reserves about 2,810, uh, megawatts. So yeah, we need to conserve if we can. Do you do that? We, we do it. And I, I'm always suspicious sometimes about all of this, but we have in our area endured a lot of brownouts over the years and a lot of blackouts as well. So we we do our part. We do our part. We'll uh, we'll turn the uh, make sure that uh, the lights are off in rooms if we don't happen to be in them at the moment. Fans are not in going in rooms that we're not in. Uh, we we keep our we keep our air conditioner threshold in the summer. We keep it at uh, eighty five degrees, meaning that the air conditioner doesn't kick on until it reaches at least uh, 85 degrees inside and in the winter we keep it at about 58 degrees so that the heater doesn't kick on until it's uh, 58 degrees or below so we do, we do our part and appliances we we run them late at night so uh, we're all, we're all doing our part again right now it looks like we're operating at about you no know, 70 maybe 73 capacity 73% capacity so it looks like we're uh, we're do- doing well at the moment as you uh, may know i'm sure by now uh, liz cheney uh, lost her bid to uh, to uh, be reelected in wyoming uh, she will no longer uh, have her chair uh, with the House Committee uh, regarding January, so well, she'll keep her chair uh, throughout the uh, rest of her term into January. But uh, she uh, lost by what, 66% to 29%. That's a pretty big, uh, pretty big uh, span there. Her opponent was Harriet Hageman, uh, endorsed by Donald Trump. And so Liz Cheney, I, I don't know what happened w- with Liz Cheney. I, I don't, I have, <laughs> I have wonderment at when people hate something or someone so much that it, it overcomes everything in their life. And, and I think Liz Cheney's hatred for Donald Trump uh, has consumed her, and I, I think is, is part of why she was voted out. Now, of course, she's going to finish her term. Uh, she said last, last night in her concession speech, our work is far from over. Okay. She said the great and original champion of our party, Abraham Lincoln, was defeated in elections for the Senate and the House before he won the most important election of all. Well, to turn the phrase, Miss Cheney, you are no Abraham Lincoln. Seriously but let, let let's be honest. She said uh, Lincoln ultimately prevailed. He saved our union and he defined our obligation as Americans for all of history. Well, okay. So here is uh here is uh, Liz Cheney's uh rationale for her loss to Harriet Hageman.
0: 2 years ago, I won this primary with 73% of the vote. I could easily have done the same again. The path was clear. But it would have required that I go along with President Trump's lie about the 2020 election. It would have required that I enable his ongoing efforts to unravel our democratic system and attack the foundations of our republic. That was a path I could not and would not take.
1: Well, I don't know that that's the path you have to take to win. I, I'm all about policy, uh, but there there was I heard very little about policy from Liz Cheney over the past couple of months, other than let's get Donald Trump, uh, let's make sure that he doesn't run again. In fact, her father Dick Cheney, if you heard, um, issued a commercial, which basically pointed out that her big mission was to make sure that Donald Trump didn't get reelected. It, is that why you're elected? Is that? Let, let's say that you, and, and some of you did not, you, you did not vote for Donald Trump. All right, that's fine. I don't, that's your choice. I didn't vote for President Biden, Joe Biden. I don't hate him. I don't like his policies. I don't like what he's done over the past uh two years almost, Uh, I don't feel that he's an effective president. I feel he's doing a lot of damage to the country, as is his administration. But it's not because I hate him, it's because I'm looking at the evidence of his actions. Well, why—I can't get into her head, which—and that may be a good thing, but I can't get into her head to understand why— why we must be driven by hatred for someone. And it's very interesting that Donald Trump, pe- people, they, they just see red. And I don't mean Chinese red. They, they just, uh, they're, they're, the, the hatred is so uh, enveloping and all-consuming that it becomes the point of everything. And I know a lot of people voted for Joe Biden because he wasn't Donald Trump. I'm never sure that's a good reason to take Donald Trump and Joe Biden out of it. I I don't believe that you ought to vote for a candidate just because you don't like the other one. What about policies? What about direction of the country? And, and these things are, are missing, and these are the honest discussions that, that we need to have. And again, as I pointed out yesterday, that's why we do our best to bring you varying points of view. And as we come up to election time, that's why we invite elected officials and those running for office to come on the program, tell us who they are, what they believe in, what their policies are going to be or are, and why you should vote for them. And then you make the choice to vote for them or not. That's it's, This whole deal of being overcome by hatred is just something I don't, I don't understand it. I don't live in that environment. Do you live in that environment where, where you are so consumed with hatred for something that it dictates your responses to everything? It's like a filter on a camera or an air filter. You, the, the pe- Some people's oxygen levels are filtered by hate. I just don't understand it. Now, there are things I don't like, but the, the, I don't have that deep-seated hatred of anything. Again, there are some politicians I don't like very much, you know, based upon his record, based upon what he's done. I don't highly value Gavin Newsom. I really don't. I, I don't. Like his policies, I don't like where he's taken California, and uh, but I don't hate him. Do you, do you understand that? Is that maybe some of you understand that? I don't. I just cannot having such hatred for someone or something that it envelops you. It becomes who you are. It it's the filter uh, with which you interpret everything in life. It seems. I do not understand it. Well, there's another thing that I don't understand. I don't understand the ins and outs of real estate. Interest rate hikes are slowing home price growth. You know that in some of our areas. But you can still get top dollar for your home right now with Dan Phipps. I always look for an expert. Dan Phipps is the expert. So if you're worried about leaving money on the table, call the agent I recommend, Dan Phipps. Dan's proprietary system is designed to maximize your sales price, and he guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours for full market value, or Dan will sell your home for free. I love it. You're in complete control, no required costly repairs, no long-term contracts, and you pick your move date. Now, Matthew and Misty and nearby Riverbank, they had a mess with their rental home. They were receiving less than their payment and owing more than they thought they could get in a sale, but... They went to Dan Phipps, and they said Dan delivered a miracle, setting a record price for their neighborhood and freeing them. Well, call Dan Phipps. Dan is the man I recommend, and he's the only agent to guarantee multiple offers in 72 hours, or it's sold free. Call Dan Phipps, 209-593-1111, or go to danphipps.com. That's Dan Phipps with three Ps, D-A-N-P-H-I-P-P-S, Dot com. And i uh, got a couple of other things I want to discuss with you today. Coming up, a guy that's uh, up for parole. We didn't get to talk to uh, Josh Harder yesterday about a letter. And this is one of the areas where I would agree with Josh Harder about not letting this guy out on patrol, on patrol, on parole. Uh, and I'll give you the details coming up in three minutes. This is are, are you aware of the details on this guy? And they're looking at granting him Parole this is unconscionable it really is i'll give you the details in three minutes coming up on the mike douglas show and power talk 1360 kfiv
0: with the big news of the day here's more of the mike douglas show now weekdays from three till five on power talk 1360
1: kfiv and welcome back to the mike douglas show here on this wednesday afternoon thank you so much for being with us as we talk about the issues of the day that help you and me refine our own views and also help us talk about the issues with people within our spheres of influence. And Thank you so much for being part of that process here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Just a footnote or two on uh, the news out of Wyoming last night. Uh, Liz Cheney lost uh, in the primaries. And uh, let's see, in Alaska, uh, Sarah Palin Advance to a November general election uh, for the state's only House seat. Alaska has a weird system there. It, it, it is bizarre. So they've got uh, four people that are running to the next level. It, it's almost like a, an, an elimination round. So uh, Alaskan Republican U.S. Senator Lisa Murkowski uh, is uh, advancing along with Kelly Shibaka. Uh, GOP rival, uh, and then uh, Sarah Palin is also among the candidates bound for uh, November as as well. And uh, this is very interesting. Again, just very quickly, of the ten, in case you're wondering, of the ten Republicans who voted to impeach Donald Trump, here's where they are to date. Uh, John Katko from New York, uh, don't know. Don't know what his results are going to be yet. Anthony Gonzalez from Ohio, uh, not running again. Adam Kings, uh, Kinzinger is not running again. And uh, Fred he's from Illinois. Fred Upton from Michigan, not running again. Uh, Jamie Herrera Butler in Washington has lost. Liz Cheney lost. Pete uh, Major, M-E-I-G-E-R in Michigan, he lost. And Tom Rice, South, uh, South Carolina, lost. And uh, the only two that have wins thus far out of that 10, uh, Dan Newhouse out of Washington and David Valadeo out of uh, California. So interesting uh, to watch what's happening there. Before I uh, tell you about this character that's going to be released on parole, let's go to the phones very quickly. 209-551-3483. 209 Debbie from Stanislaus. What's on your mind today?
0: Hi, Mike. About uh, Ms. Cheney, Lizzie, I believe that her hate, we watched it on our television and we saw her heading all of these hearings that we had to sit through hour after hour, and witness after witness that got up on her side to put our President Trump down. I think that finally it's penetrating the citizens of the United States. that There's so much wrong and so much hate and so much wanting to hurt the president. He didn't do anything to deserve what's happening to him. And I think it's just beginning to penetrate. And I think there's going to be a big surprise for everybody. Cheney is never going to hold office again because I really believe with all my soul that Cheney hung herself. Thank you for
1: taking my call. All right, Debbie, thank you very much. Appreciate the call. I think it's very interesting, uh, Debbie, that that in the aftermath of that loss last night, apparently she's hinting around without really coming out and saying it, uh, that she might be interested in running for president. Uh, Seriously? And and again, it would be one thing if she was centering upon policy saying, I, I didn't like Donald Trump's policy on this. I didn't like his policy on this. I didn't like the fact that he made us energy independent. I did not like the fact that he had us at only uh, below 2%, percent one4 whatever it was, percent inflation. Uh, I didn't like the fact that he held China in check. I didn't like the fact that he was promoting peace in the Middle East. I, I, I mean, that'd be one thing, But it wasn't about policy. There's just this deep-seated hatred. I don't understand it. And again, there's some people I may not like much. There are some people whose conduct I don't like and and, and their policies that I don't like. But this this rabid hatred is very foreign to me. I, I don't understand it. And I don't want to understand it. I don't want to be that kind of person that is governed by hate. I, I just don't want to be there. That's not where I want to live. And uh, I, I believe that's where Liz Cheney is, uh, at least listening to her, um, her comments and such. All right, very quickly about this uh, character uh, currently in, uh, in jail. And again, uh, Josh Harder has written a letter uh, to the Board of Parole hearings. We didn't get to this yesterday. All of you, by the way, had some excellent questions uh, for Josh Harder. And again, I hope uh, if, if you had questions about whether you would vote for him or not, those were answered yesterday by his responses. There is a gentleman by the name of Anthony Waiters. Anthony Waiters. He's in prison because he tortured a 16 year old foster child named Kyle. And I'm quoting here from uh, the letter by Josh Harder. Uh, this guy, Waiters, chained the 16 year old foster child, Kyle, near a fireplace, nearly beat him to death with a bat, and then made it a point to sadistically torture the 16 year old Kyle by heating his weapon, a bat causing irreparable physical and mental damage to the victim. And says his malice didn't end there. He branded Kyle like an animal and lit the child on fire after pouring lighter fluid all over his body. Now, during the parole hearing, uh, according to this letter from Josh Harder, waiters described the motivation to uh, his actions as a result of, quote, alcohol, unresolved grief, companions that didn't have my best interests at heart, immature, angry, impulsive, and grief-stricken. I tried to help the situation, but I made hurt. I don't want to say savior complex. It just escalated, and I grew to be part of the problem. Harder says this non-sequitur response fails to fundamentally grasp the weight of his actions and crimes. His reference to a savior complex is even more worrisome. Can't allow this man to reenter society, claiming to be a savior while inflicting harm to uh, loved ones. Early parole is simply not acceptable for Anthony Waiters. Does it boggle your mind that this gentleman, and I use the term very loosely, is up for parole? And, and it really has been granted parole but they're they're doing a a a rescission hearing which apparently is looking at well maybe there's new information or maybe something was missed you think good night did you hear what he did to this 16 year old foster child and i'm not hasty to say we ought to have a death penalty but makes you think, why in the world would anyone in leadership in the state of California want to let this guy out? Does that boggle your mind as much as it boggles my mind? Nearly beat him to death, branded him like, a, like you brand a, an animal or a cow, beat him, caused irreparable physical and mental damage to the victim? Poured lighter fluid all over his body, lit him on fire. I'm just aghast that the state of California Board of Parole hearings would say that this man is okay to return to society. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe my filters are so strong I'm not seeing it. Oh well, we'll talk about this and more coming up in 5 minutes as the Mike Douglas show continues right here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Don't go away. The Mike Douglas show.
0: Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. On air and online. Take the Mike Douglas Show with you with the iHeartRadio app. Surge 1360 KFIV.
1: And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Great to have you with us on this Wednesday afternoon. Remember, we are under a flex alert uh, in our area right now from uh, 4 to 9 p.m. this evening. They're asking for our voluntary cooperation to use the least amount of electricity. Possible, so moving on again, we've been talking about this character in uh, prison right now who the parole board uh, apparently decided ought to be released uh, this uh, man, uh, Mr. Waiters, having tortured a sixteen year old foster child beating him, uh, pouring lighter fluid on him, lighting him on file uh, on fire just, just incomprehensible things. Let's find out uh, your reaction. What do you think the board? Why do you think the port of board of parole would consider releasing this guy? Our number 209-551-3483. four eight three two zero nine five five one three four eight three. We'll go to the phones now to Jorge from Series. Welcome, my friend. What are your thoughts about this?
2: Thank you. Uh, I just had to call you. I'm like I'm flabbergasted. sitting here, I'm like, what the heck? What kind of an individual does that to another individual? And uh, God, this guy just needs one thing, not to be released. Just call him. Just hit him in the head with like they do chickens and say, sorry, you don't make the cut. And uh, But don't put him back in society. Or if they want to put him back in society, have the parole board take him one month, each one of them, of the parole boards. It's like, hey. You're going to live with this guy in your house for one month, and then you can transfer him to that guy and that guy and that guy and that lady over there and that lady. That's what they should do to him and so that they can understand what kind of an animal. Animal is the correct word. He's not a human being. He's an animal, and he should be put down. Just be, be more sensitive than he is and just put him down. Take them out behind the yard and put them down. That's my two cents. Uh, Got it, or bring them to me and I'll put them down. <laughs> That's a lot of
1: money. <laughs> Jorge, is, yeah. Jorge, thanks for the call. Appreciate uh, appreciate that very much. That's a very creative thought, Jorge. Uh, for a character like this who has uh, done unspeakable things to another human being. Yeah. How about if the parole board's going to release him? Make the parole board, make them have him in custody in their homes for the next well, however many years. Rotate him around. Maybe they'd have a slightly different perspective. I, I, It's just I cannot conceive of why you would release a guy like this. And I, I would imagine there, somebody's going to say, well, he's – He's paid his debt. No, there is no debt that can be paid for that kind of torturing of another human being. Well, he's maybe he's been cured of his mental illness. To me, regardless, he needs to stay where he is. Choices need to have consequences, or the rule of law is no longer the rule of law. Just my thoughts. What are yours? 209 our number. Let's go out to Valley Springs and John. John, what's on your mind today? <laughs> yes.
3: yes, Mike, I'm glad again having the opportunity to talk to you. Um, personally, um, what do you feel about the Old Testament, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth? And also, uh, didn't uh, Jehovah say to uh, about uh, Jacob and Esau. Says, uh, Esau I hated, but Jacob I loved. And that's also repeated in the Romans uh, chapter uh, 9. Uh, St. Saint, Saint Paul uh, said about that too. So uh, wh- what do you think? I believe that it's not only an oath, an, oath, uh, an oath for an oath, a tooth for a tooth in this case, but I believe that he should be punished to be the death penalty myself. That's what I believe. Because, I mean, that kind of suffering that he, that he inflicted on this uh, 16-year-old, uh, um, um, I guess he was uh, in his house. Uh, his, um, he was, uh, what was that the English name? I, <laughs> I forgot now. But I, I believe that that death punishment should have been much more strict uh, uh, because what he did in is such a terrible pain on this young fellow, young man. Uh, I, I cannot believe that. It's, it's like, you know, it, it's just terrible. I, I cannot imagine to go through that kind of pain, put, put him uh, in the flames, firing and beating him and all that. I mean, that's just terrible. I yeah, mean, it, to have such a, a of
1: it is, it is with terrible. And, and, and john can you can you e- even conceive on your worst day treating another human being like that can you even conceive of it no
3: i could not i cannot even conceive that huh. i i mean in my heart god has put love even my worst enemy i could not conceive that but i know that um, you know god destroyed the old world by floods and, um, and and God also said when um, Jesus was born, he talked to uh, uh, Gabriel. Andrew Gabriel told Mary that uh, you shall bear a son, you should call him uh, Jesus, and he will come, he will save his people. He came to save his people. He did not come to save the whole world. And we know that the world is full of uh, uh, evil angels and and satan's agents and and they want to destroy the world and 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 there is no no way that we should love everybody we should love our in in, you cannot find actually bible anywhere that it says that god loved the the evil persons everybody says that he loved us and and we we are supposed to love our own those who are
4: the elect of God in the Heavenly
1: Father, be... it, it, John your 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 cell phone's starting to disappear on this uh, a little bit you 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 brought up a lot of points and so um, I, I I want to respond to them because I think they're uh they're important uh so I jotted them down very quickly L- let me see if I can address those uh, for you uh in in a succinct manner here. Uh, we, we're talking about uh, the, the eye, eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Yeah. Uh, in fact, that uh, that you find in, in a lot of ancient um, law structures as well. However, and I don't want to get too deeply theological with this, I, I just want to balance that by saying uh, when in the New Testament it says, love your enemies, and when Uh, On the cross, Christ said about the thief, today you will see me in paradise, Lord or Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It brings up this issue of forgiveness that's misunderstood. And uh, I'm generally agreeing with you, John, so hang in there, hear me out. The nature of forgiveness really is to benefit the person who is doing the forgiving. But forgiving is not forgetting in the process of forgiving, there still need to be boundaries. You can, we can forgive someone who has hurt us, but at the same time, we need to put boundaries in place so that we don't provide them with the opportunity to stay sick, so to speak, and hurt us again. That's called codependency. That's called being an enabler. And, uh, Neither the heroes of the Old Testament nor uh, Jesus was an enabler. Uh, they were not codependent uh, in, in their best days. And, and so when we, and, and, and oftentimes this argument is, is turned uh, against those uh, of us who are people of faith, John, that, well, why would you do the death penalty or why would you keep him in prison? Why would you do that? Well, it's because we we can forgive, in other words, we take that load off our back, and uh, if, if we're the ones who uh, an injustice has been uh, done to, we can say, I forgive you. The point of that is, you take that heavy-duty burden off of your back. You're done with it. You're not going to carry resentment through the rest of your life, like Liz Cheney is caring for Donald Trump. I don't understand that. I don't. Uh, but So the, the point I'm making is, in the process of forgiveness— You have to create boundaries so that you don't become victimized again. And bringing this uh, back to uh, full circle here, there need to be boundaries, there need to be deterrence, and there needs to be consequences for bad choices, evil choices. There need to be deterrence. To evil choices. There need to be consequences for evil choices. And it's not saying, well, we're the ones persecuting this, this person who uh, hurt someone else. No, we're not persecuting them. We are creating healthy consequences for their actions. When you try to, when you light someone, when you pour lighter fluid on someone and and decide to light them on fire, you don't belong out in society anymore, one day more. And that's a deterrent. If other people see, wow, wow, I can get away with that. I can get away with stealing up to $900 from retail stores. I can get away with that. So I'm going to keep on doing it. I can get away with uh, shooting someone and uh, then, then saying it's society's fault because uh, I was abused as a child or, or whatever it might be because uh, I'm a put-upon person or I'm on a put-upon race and, and therefore that justifies my illegal activity. No, no, that, that is a dysfunctional society that does not have the rule of law. So, coming back to this, uh, Jorge, I, I want to make the point that we must have deterrence, we must have consequences for evil and bad behavior, and we must follow through with them by enforcing the rule of law. And that's important. All right, John, I hope that... Uh, hope that's a satisfactory response for you. You you gave a lot of uh, allusions there to uh, both uh, New and Old Testaments. I hope that covers most of it for you. Uh, Mike Douglas here on the Mike Douglas Show, 209-551-3483. What about this guy? I can't imagine. What was the parole or is the parole board thinking about even allowing this man back in society? And here, this is, this is why there was a recall effort for George Goscone down in Los Angeles. This is why there was a recall effort that was successful for Chase Bodine in San Francisco. I believe right thinking people, people with in, uh, integrity and honesty and a sense of justice and a sense of right and wrong, are saying enough is enough. Enough is enough and guys like this Mr. Waiters Anthony Waiters do not belong back in society ever for what they have done. Our number here 209-551-3483 will continue the conversation in 3 minutes here on the Mike Douglas show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV.
0: Take the Mike Douglas Show with you every weekday from three till five. Download the free iHeartRadio app and follow thirteen sixty KFIV.
1: And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk thirteen sixty KFIV. Uh, we're talking about uh, the the rule of law and how we see. Don't you think it's deteriorating? Don't you think the rule of law is deteriorating in the United States of America? And I I point to, in in terms of uh, uh, reason for that, I point to attorneys general in uh, states across the nation, and I point uh, to district attorneys uh, across many, uh, many counties throughout the nation. Really, it's their inability or unwillingness to enforce the law that has created a crime that is now out of control, and that has given us a society now where uh, there are precious few deterrents to, well, burning down cities, burning down police stations. There, there's a, uh, There's selective enforcement going on in our society today. The powers that be, if they don't like a certain... Person or they don't like the group they represent, then they throw the book at them and even uh, some annexes to the book. But for people that they like, people that are part of their group, they let them go free. That's called selective enforcement. That is not the rule of law. And uh, I want to come, I'm keeping this soundbite nearby. Victor Davis Hanson from about a week ago on fox loved his comments about the rule of law in america today
4: right now we don't have the rule of law in washington whether you're targeted or exempt depends on your ideology so in the past when there was a there was a dispute over the archives of presidential papers barack Obama just said i'm not going to turn them over the freedom of information he spent thirty million dollars resisting efforts to do that. George Bush had an executive order and said, you know what, I'm not going to do this. And that was adjudicated. And now we go after a president and go to his house with 30 agents. In the past, when uh, a high official was called for a congressional subpoena, Eric Holder just said, I'm not going and I'm not turning over any of this fast and furious. The idea that you would put him in shackles or you confront him with his family and grab his phone is just ridiculous. But this is what we're doing on ideological basis and when you start to do that you don't have a democracy anymore and i don't think we do
1: and see this is the problem is putting ideology above the rule of law because i ideology creates a situation where the ends justify the means it is okay for us to break the law as long as we accomplish our purposes because we are the elite We know better than anyone else, and so if we need to nuance the law or flat-out break the law in order to stay in power and in order to uh, shove down the throats of America the uh, woke culture, the uh, socialist, Marxist culture that we have in mind, well, we can break every law we need to because the ends justify the means. And when we see that roll out in real time at both federal and state levels, We're in deep wahooey, my friends, because as Victor Davis Hanson says, we no longer have a democracy or we no longer have a democratic republic. We don't. We must preserve the rule of law, and that means justice is blind. There's a reason why that statue of Lady Justice has a blindfold on her as she holds the scales of justice. She is supposed to be blind so that your color... Your race, your religion, your political party, the way you were brought up, uh, where you came from originally, none of uh, your uh, your status in society, how much money you make, your occupation, none of that should matter. The law should be blind to all that and should only deal with the law itself and whether the law has been broken and then you get the justice of knowing that justice is blind, so that n- none of the prejudicial issues enter into the fray in terms of whether you are convicted or not of a certain crime or of violating a tort, a civil law. See, we're, we're losing that today. And and I I come back to the fact, and, and we and, and there's always some kind of justification, well, they, uh, we, we should not prosecute these people for uh, burning down Minneapolis or burning down parts of Portland, burning down police stations, uh, creating terror. We, we should not, we should not prosecute them because they're victims. They're victims of injustice. No, 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 no. Rule of law is the rule of law. If you break the law, now there is, I grant, a difference between enforcing the spirit of the law and the letter of the law. But right now, we're not even enforcing the spirit of the law. I'm not sure that a lot of DAs and a lot of attorneys general across the United States of America even understand the philosophy behind the rule of law. I'm not sure they do. I really don't. I think they have personal agendas, and they're using their positions to do away with the rule of law and then it becomes very squishy like jello how would you like to be at a trial where you're not allowed to cross examine where you're not allowed to have an attorney present how would you would you like that where the prosecution comes at you with everything they've got and you're not allowed to say anything in your defense you're not allowed to have an attorney you're not allowed to have any witnesses in your defense would you like that? That's exactly what's happening with the January 6th committee. And I believe that's one of the reasons that Liz Cheney lost in her election last night. I think people have had it. At one point, it may have been a phys- uh, a philosophical disagreement. Now it's not. Now we're feeling the pain and the suffering from the lack of... Of the rule of law. All right, coming up, we'll talk a a related subject, Forward Together. Interesting uh, thing happening in Modesto. The committee gave a report. I'll give you a summation of that coming up in five minutes on The Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV.
0: The show you love talking about the issues that are important to you. The Voice of the Valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now every weekday from 3 till 5 on air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here again is your host Mike Douglas.
1: And welcome to our number 2 of the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Just a reminder, we're under a flex alert for most of our listening area today, from uh, the ISO, and uh, let's see, I'm looking at their um, chart right now. I would say we're at about well, a little north of 70 percent uh, capacity at the moment. Uh, so, uh, if we, if you can, what they're asking is from 4 p.m. to 9 p.m., and we're now uh, six minutes and 33 seconds into the flex alert. Uh, from 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. tonight, uh, asking folks to use uh, the least amount of electricity possible, including waiting to charge your electric vehicles until after 9 (laughs) p.m. Okay. All right, uh, so that's just a reminder. Flex Alert tonight, uh, 4 to uh, 9 p.m. We've been talking about uh, the importance of the rule of law And in order to preserve that in our society today, one of the things I think that governments need to do is to develop a trusted relationship or a trusting relationship with their communities or with their public. Right now, a lot of distrust of the FBI, a lot of distrust of Merrick Garland, the Attorney General of the United States, a lot of distrust of the uh, CDC, uh, Centers for D- Disease Control and, and uh, Prevention. However, there are some areas that I think are, are making some good headway, and they're doing what they need to do in order to create a good environment of, of trust with the community. And I think Modesto is, is doing a good job with this with their Forward Together Committee. Are you familiar with that? That came up on the radar screen uh, some months ago. And what they're looking at uh, specifically is the police department at this point and uh, recommendations the committee, the Forward Together Committee, is providing uh, to the city council for Improving police services, improving the relationship between uh, the police department and, uh, and the community. Uh, let me just say as a foundation for this, California, I believe, has some of, if not the finest, law enforcement training across the nation. California police officers have a standard they have to attain, I don't know how long the academy is now for uh, most law enforcement agencies. Mine was, uh, what was it, six months, I think. Uh, But police officers in California are well-trained. Let let me just summarize it by that. And when we go the extra mile to build relationships with the community, all the better. Because once you build relationships, you start to build trust. And when you build trust... If a negative incident happens, if a major incident happens, uh, the local government, the local law enforcement, then has a relationship with the community that they can use to diffuse a lot of uh, bad situations that may result from things that happen. So, this forward together uh, committee, uh, they basically have recommended a civilian review board, a professional auditor and a major incident review team. Now, in my mind, probably the most interesting and I think potentially difficult element of that to build and manage uh, with credibility with both the community and law enforcement is the professional auditor element that's part of this. So to get the summary, uh, here is uh, the uh, chairman of the Forward Together Committee, Will Kelly. Uh, testifying before the Modesto City Council about the overview of the Forward Together Committee, what its mission is, and what it has accomplished. So let's listen.
5: About establishing a civilian oversight board. Those, these things go by many names. I don't think there's any attachment to that name, but that's the review piece. Uh, uh, contracting a, an independent auditor, and then establishing a main, major incident review team.
1: All right. So a civilian review board, a professional auditor, and th- this this may be the one of the toughest parts of this to implement. And then a, a major incident uh, review team. Here's uh, he he continues his uh, comments in terms of amplifying this auditor uh, position. And and l- let me play this, and and then we'll talk about it.
5: The auditor piece is a, uh, a professional auditor. Sometimes they go by different names, but auditor is one of the more, more common um, uh, names. Someone who has professional experience in uh, police practices and uh, uh, investigations and has uh, access to, um, uh, to internal affairs, Uh, documents and things necessary to, you know, uh, to fulfill their prescribed function, often is a barred attorney and has other kind of professional credentialing. And uh, their role is to provide recommendations uh, to the city and to the department to also work closely with the uh, review board and to uh, essentially help build trust. And, And that was one thing that we settled on very quickly in our discussion of this model is that what is essential is that the auditor is someone who, has the trust of all stakeholders. They cannot be seen as a, a, you know, as a hack or as a tool for one side or the other or, or any particular interest. It has to be someone that's that's broadly trusted.
1: Well, there's the sticky wicket to, <laughs> to have a position or a person that has the trust of all stakeholders. Because when a, a bad incident happens, let's say a, a shooting that appears to be unjustified. Police officer, I'm not picking on Modesto here, I'm just saying in general, talking about this auditor position, uh, someone on whatever police department it is, a shooting occurs, a police officer shoots someone and they die. And then there is question about whether that was a legitimate shooting. There's going to be high emotions with all stakeholders. The family of the person who has been shot will have high emotions. The officer's family will have high emotions. The union representing the officer will have high emotions. The public will have high emotions. The police department itself, the chief, the heads of local government are going to have high emotions. And so it is at this point that people have to tread very carefully uh, in the investigative process and that the officer has rights as well as the rights of the public and the rights of the family involved. One of the problems that we're seeing today, and and this is a a common thing, and I, I call it the pendulum effect, when there is an incident that appears to be an unjustified shooting It seems like the pendulum is the the, 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 there's a sense of trying to force that pendulum way too far to one side, uh, and then or take it way too far to the other side. To the point that at some point, if we give civilian review boards and auditors and such, uh, too much power and decision making in the process, police officers, I'm gonna say, forget it. You say, oh, they'll never do that, Mike. Mm, Yeah, yeah, I've talked to police officers in Southern California, in George Gascon country, who basically have said, look, we know that if we're involved in a takedown, if we're involved in a shooting, if uh, we're involved in a a high-profile arrest, we're going to become the objects of scorn. We're going to become the suspects, so to speak and there will be the bad guys and and there won't be the fairness of justice is blind and what then what that causes then is for law enforcement to dial back and the cop on the street to have second thoughts about taking action on something because he or she is going to be worried about the lawsuits and going to jail themselves versus the The implementing the training that they receive and the advanced officer training that they continue to receive. All to say, I believe we need to approach these civilian uh, public review boards and auditor positions and such with care. Yes, the community needs to have a relationship with law enforcement. They need to have a voice. They need to have trust built. But we need to also, in my opinion, be very careful about these review committees because typically the people on these review committees are, law, are not law enforcement officers. And it's one of those dilemmas in how, how do you have decision-making people affect the lives of police officers if they've never been in their shoes? Now... To balance that, I do believe there need to be citizen input committees, uh, advisory committees, so to speak. I think that's very healthy, and I'm hoping that's what this Forward Together uh, committee is is doing. It's just that I, I'm I'm wondering about this professional auditor, which says to me they're probably going to be paid. Well, who are they getting paid by? Are they going to be paid by the city council? If they're being paid by the city council, then there's an added issue there in terms of is justice blind or not? Because people basically tend to nuance their decisions toward who's paying and who's signing their paychecks. Do You see what I'm saying? I'm not saying this is a bad idea. I'm just saying it needs to be very carefully approached. And, what I've heard thus far, and, and I've listened to uh, uh, to Mister Kelly at least uh, parts of his presentation here. I think they're taking their time, which is a good thing, and I applaud the city of Modesto and I applaud the Modesto Police Department for being willing to go through this process. It's just that I'm 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 concerned that everyone involved walk forward with the Forward Together Committee with their eyes wide open, and listen to each other. The public needs to be heard, but also the police officers need to be heard. And I don't mean just the command staff, but the rank-and-file police officers need to be heard. The union needs to be heard from. All sides need to be heard and acknowledged and their perspectives fed into the process. Otherwise, we have the emotions driving decisions and any times that uh, that emotions drive decisions the decisions 90 percent of the time in my opinion are going to be faulty decisions so what are your thoughts about this forward together committee i think they're doing a good job do you like this idea of a civilian review board the professional auditor and the major incident review team our number here 209-551-3483 our number 209-551-3483 and we'll continue the conversation in 3 minutes here on the Mike Douglas show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV
0: You're listening to the Mike Douglas show the voice of the valley Power Talk 1360
1: KFIV and welcome back to the Mike Douglas show here on this Wednesday afternoon on Power Talk 1360 KFIV in talking about this forward together uh, committee and with the city of Modesto looking at uh, ways to in- improve uh, the Modesto Police Department, as such, again, I applaud the city of Modesto for hearing each other, <laughs> for the public hearing the city, for the city hearing the public. This is all good in my, in my estimation, and uh, my, my comments are just that I think we need to be very. Very careful about uh, forming these citizen committees and what kind of authority they have, who's on them, and uh, how they operate. Just need to be very careful with it. That's my point. Let's find out what you think. 209-551-3483, our number. Ryan from Modesto. What are your thoughts about this, Ryan?
6: Hello, uh, Mike. It's a pleasure to speak with you. So the NAACP and the American Civil Liberties Union are extremely biased when it comes to things like this. I just don't want to see Modesto turn out like Portland or like St. Louis, where the American Civil Liberties Union back Antifa. They back radical regimes, and even when Antifa was just burning city after city – Every time when someone from Antifa was arrested, the American Civil Li- Liberties Union would go to the cities and release the people that worked for Antifa. So it's very biased. So that's the only thing I'm concerned about. I do not want to see Modesto turn out like that.
1: No, absolutely. I, I agree with you. You do not want citizen committees that have agendas and are, are biased. Uh, I think an example, Ryan, very quickly, that works right now in Modesto, and and that is the Clergy Council. It's a, a group of uh, clergy representatives that have had a long relationship now with the Modesto uh, Police Department, and I believe with the Sheriff's Department as well. And when something big goes down, there is trust that's already built, and they're able to talk about issues and often diffuse uh, issues within the community because there's trust there and that relationship has has been built. So I think that Ryan is is an example in my mind of how this can work well. I think if we develop committees that have uh, private agendas involved and uh, ideological issues involved, then then uh, then we're not in such a good uh, good situation. Ryan, I'll give you the last word on that.
6: Um. That's really good. I didn't uh, wasn't aware that there was something like that for Modesto. That's really good. Um, but one thing I'm concerned of is because we are in a heavily controlled Democrat area, Democrat state, I, I'm just worried about just the reading the article about it in a Modesto B and seeing that racism was already in tied with it. I know that's the swing that they're trying to do. And that's just my concern, and I do believe justice is blind. But if you're biased, it's just it just gets very ugly very quickly. And just the groups that they have with this committee is what I'm concerned about.
1: Yeah, uh, God. Yeah, got it, Ryan. Thank you very much. Appreciate uh, your concern there. And I think everybody sh- everybody should care that uh, be concerned about that, uh, and that we we have representatives on these committees, these advisory groups that are uh, that are devoid of hidden agendas and and such, uh, that that's not a good thing. And again, I think the clergy council, Ryan, is a good example of that. Let's go back to the phones very quickly. Uh, Dan from Modesto, Dan, what are your perspectives on forward together in Modesto?
7: Well, I think that, yeah, you know, some of law enforcement guys do need to be regulated on, on certain things, but if it is going to be like a civilian regulation, I think they should at least do a, a month of ride-alongs with them just to see what they go through and, and understand, you know, where how things can go awry quickly mm. on on certain situations. You know, that way they have the same perspective, and when they do look at the police officer to be able to regulate them, they'd be able to say, okay, I can understand you know, plus with the camera systems that, you know, all law enforcement are basically getting close to wearing, you know, it, you know, it would tell the truth, you know, on, on what's going on.
1: Uh, very good point, Dan. I, I think, I, I believe Modesto does, I can't guarantee it, but a lot of uh, law enforcement agencies now what they have, what they call a uh, uh, citizen academies. Uh, in other words, it, it's, and, and fire departments have the equivalent for uh Fire related issues. But the point is to be able to give citizens a, and the, the stress is involved. They're not, you know, learning how to shoot, that sort of thing. But what they're learning is how the laws in California function, how the police officers have to use those laws. And I agree with you, Dan. I, I think one of the uh, qualifications to be on uh, any of these types of citizen committees should involve uh, not only a set of previous ride alongs. Uh, before being uh, appointed to the committee, but regular ride-alongs. In other words, I I would say that there needs to be a regular, uh, a regularly mandated ride-along uh, expectation at least once a month, uh, so that that they stay in touch with what's happening on the street and so that they can hear from the officers while they're under pressure <laughs> while they're conducting their jobs. I think that's a that's a great thought, Dan and. Uh, I don't know if uh, I, I would assume that they've received that recommendation. I don't know that they have, but I think that's a very good one. Dan, great point. Thanks for the call very much. Uh, I, I agree. It is so important for citizens to understand the, uh, what, what they're going through. Uh, very quickly, uh, back to the phones. We're going to have to do this very quickly. Nick from Modesto, what are your thoughts about Forward Together?
7: Uh, actually, the the committee on Forward Together had completed their process and made a presentation to the city council, and the city council now is going to be scheduling workshops to go over the, the various recommendations. One of the recommendations uh, when you we were talking about the citizens' oversight that uh, had, was not included is that they're going to have, a, you know, they're recommending citizen oversight, but they're also... Going to have a independent investigator
2: uh,
7: with the law enforcement background that's agreeable to everyone. So that's the person that's the key link here. Is the uh, independent investigator?
1: That's the auditor so that's position. I
7: just
1: to add. Is, is that yeah. the auditor I'm position sorry, he's talking about?
2: Yeah, I'm sorry. I said investigate.
7: I meant to say oh. the
1: auditor. Okay, Nick. Nick, thanks for the background. Appreciate it. We'll be back in five minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show.
0: Now, weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's more with the voice of the valley, Mike Douglas on Power Talk 1360 KFIV and streamed on the
1: iHeartRadio app. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Just as a reminder, we are. Uh, about uh, 35 minutes and 10 seconds into a flux alert for our listening area here. And again, the ISO, Cal ISO is recommending that we do uh, what we can to avoid using major appliances, using uh, the least amount of electricity as possible uh, from 4 to 9 p.m. uh, tonight. Again, we're about 35 minutes and 33 seconds into that. And we're doing our best at uh, the Douglas Hacienda, also doing our best here at the clandestine Mike Douglas Show studio as well. We're running uh, minimal electricity to keep things going and uh, happy to uh, do what we can to help in that process. All right. uh, By the way, a, a footnote. On this discussion of Forward Together and the Modesto City Council, Modesto Police Department, again, my, uh, my kudos to all involved uh, for making the effort to do this. Uh, and my comments really are in, in the vein of we just need to proceed carefully to make sure that the interests of all stakeholders, including the police officers, the public, et cetera, are addressed and uh, come into play whatever decisions are made uh, regarding the uh, Citizen Review Committee, the uh, professional auditor, and the major incident uh, review team. With that, I I also want to say this. I have, in in my life, both in uh, full-time, reserve, and volunteer capacities, I've served under six, maybe seven police chiefs during my law enforcement affiliations, six or seven police chiefs. And I really want to say I believe that we are blessed uh, in Modesto and in Stanislaus County. And I don't know a lot of the chiefs or the sheriffs in other areas. So it's not that I'm singling them out. It's just I know them. I think beginning for the city of Modesto, for the Modesto Police Department, Beginning with Chief Roy Wazden, and I can't remember what date that was, many years ago. Uh, Chief Wazden really, in my opinion, took the police department in a new positive direction that it needed to go. Whatever old, good old boy type uh, reputations there might have been, whether they were justified or not, uh, Roy Wasden brought levels of professionalism, I believe, and levels of community involvement that were much needed. And I believe the success of police chiefs have uh, been, been true to the spirit of what Roy Wasden uh, started. And so I just want to applaud uh, Chief uh, Brandon Gillespie at Modesto Police Department and Sheriff Jeff Dirksy with the Stanislaus County Sheriff's Department as well, for operating with integrity, uh, both of these men. And I, I also have to say, on the occasions where I have contacted them, sometimes in a pastoral capacity, sometimes in a radio talk show host capacity, uh, they have always been responsive, and I have always received a, uh, a contact back, if not from them personally, at least from their uh, executive assistants, and ultimately from them personally. So I uh, I want to applaud them both and uh, say it is a privilege uh, to live in an area where we have professionalism like that. All right, uh, want to lighten things up just a little bit here. A couple stories <laughs> that I noticed today. Uh, do you like going to the lake? What do you enjoy doing at the lake? I, I enjoy kayaking. I don't own one, but I've borrowed some. And when we're on vacation sometimes and there's a lake, I, uh, we rent a kayak. Uh, I just, and I, I don't do the whitewater things. I like a, a nice lake to go out on or a calm, you know, ocean bay. And it's very calming to me in, in, in a life that I have where it's pretty much seven days a week. 12 to 16 hours a day, and I know many of you are faced with that, especially those of you in the agricultural industry and such. But it's it's to me, it, it allows me to relax my brain and just to enjoy God's creation out there uh, on the water. The next best, best thing to me is getting on my John Deere rider mower, and uh, tooling around and attacking the titanium weeds. That's therapeutic for me as well. But anyway, do you, you like the lake? Enjoy lakes. Well, you know where Lake Elsinore is, uh, right? Not in this area of California, but also Big Bear Lake, right, in Southern California as well. Stay out of the water. No kayaking there. Nope, no swimming, fishing, or anything else you might do in the water or the lake because... The state of California water water officials have identified a large algae bloom in the water. A large algae bloom, and it is toxic to humans and animals. So that's been identified at Lake Elsinore, and apparently those large algae blooms have been popping up at Big Bear Lake as well. And they're saying there's no word when the algae might be cleared out well that's a bummer isn't it now that the pandemic's over and and in their infinite wisdom the powers that be in the state of california say it's safe to go outdoors and even not wear a mask when you're outdoors in recreational areas first it's covid19 now it's large algae blooms will it never end have you any of you ever seen a large algae bloom I'm gotta research and find a picture of one. I'd like to know what, and maybe it's maybe it's not a single thing. Maybe it's like a, a, epidemic in the water. Maybe that's what it means. So anyway, be careful if you're around Lake Elsinore or Big Bear Lake as well. Well, speaking of nature, if you're uh, if you're vacationing and you're a Bigfoot fan, they say one of the best places to go is Ohio. Yeah, BetOhio.com says there's nearly a 6% chance of seeing Bigfoot in the Buckeye State and not on the Ohio State football team. No, out in nature. So far this year, Bigfoot sightings have been reported in 20 states, and Ohio ranks fourth for the most sightings reported so far this year with ne- with uh, nearly 320 sightings. So... There you go. And then finally in our hit parade of things just to relax with a little bit at the moment, Dateline, San Luis Obispo, California. Usually when there's a suspect, you get a description of the suspect, but in this case, the suspect wasn't human. It was a primate, all right, but not a human being. San Luis Obispo County Sheriff's Office Believes a little capuchin monkey called 911 from the zoo last Saturday night. You say, well, why is the zoo supplying capuchin monkeys with cell phones? Well, they they didn't supply the capuchin monkey with a cell phone. No. Apparently, there's a capuchin monkey named Root R O U T E, as in Route 66. And this little capuchin monkey named Root spied one of those little golf cart things that uh, the employees of the, uh, of the zoo have. And apparently there was a zoo cell phone in the golf cart. And the capuchin monkey said, oh, I can do that. Grab the cell phone and apparently called 911 or at least pressed a, a button. So they say we're told Capuchin monkeys are very inquisitive and will grab anything and everything and just start pushing buttons. Well, I know people like that who are very good at pushing buttons, not uh, not so much on on cell phones. So uh, I hope that brought a little bit of uh, light to your uh, to your day. Not so light. Have you heard about this article in the Atlantic? It really seems to me to be a hit piece. On Roman Catholic people, and as you know, I am a a a non-denominational community pastor. I'm I'm not a Roman Catholic priest, but I I take offense at this really uh, because I I think it's an outrageous and unwarranted attack upon uh, Roman Catholic clergy. Apparently, uh, this writer by the name of Daniel Paniton, who's a writer based in Toronto, Canada, had an article on how extremist gun culture is trying to co-opt the Rosary. Here's the lead paragraph, apparently. Just as the AR-15 rifle has become a sacred object for Christian nationalists in general, now there's an opening uh, sentence or partial opening sentence automatically you know where he's coming from. He doesn't like Christians, he doesn't like guns, and he doesn't like anything sacred. And he doesn't like being proactive and being patriotic. That's just from the first half of the sentence. So just as the AR-15 rifle has become a sacred object for Christian nationalists in general, the rosary has required a militaristic meaning for radical traditional or as he says, rad trad Catholics on this extreme extremist fringe. Rosary beads have been woven into a conspiratorial politics and absolutist gun culture. These armed radical traditionalists have taken up a spiritual notion that the rosary can be a weapon in the fight against evil and turned it into something dangerously literal. What is with this guy, Daniel Panaton? Let me read the, the next paragraph, and, and then we'll be back in a couple minutes when we can talk about this. He says, their social media pages are saturated with images of rosaries draped over firearms, warriors in prayer, uh, God wills it, crusader memes, and exhortations for men to rise up and become church militants. Influencers on platforms such as Instagram share posts referencing Everyday Carry and Gat Check. Gat, he's saying is slang for for firearm. That includes soldiers' battle beads, handguns, and assault rifles. One artist posts illustrations of his favorite Catholic saints, clergy, and influencers toting AR-15-style rifles labeled Sanctum Rosarium alongside violently- homophobic screeds that are celebrated by social media accounts with thousands of followers. Well, prayer, whether it's using the rosary or not, prayer is a weapon against evil. And for those of you who may be Roman Catholic, how do you respond to this? Do you feel this is an unfair article? Do you feel this is an unfair over-generalization about Roman Catholics who pray the rosary but also believe in having guns. Well, we'll talk about it in three minutes on The Mike Douglas Show. Our phone number, 209-551-3483. Again, if uh, you're a Roman Catholic, how what do you think about this? What do you think about this article? 209-551-3483. We'll talk about it in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV.
0: Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. 1360 KFIV is your place online. Let's get social with Power Talk 1360 KFIV.
1: And let's get the conversation going again. Our phone number 209-551-3483. 209 209-551- 551 Three four eight three. We're talking about this article in the Atlantic on uh, August fourteen, by an author named Daniel Paneton, P A N N E T O N. How extremist gun culture is trying to co-opt the rosary, and there's uh, there's three more paragraphs. Let me give you, and then, then we'll talk about it. Militia culture, he says, a fetishism of Western civilization and masculinist anxieties have become mainstays of the far right in the U.S. and the rad trad Catholics, who (laughs) radical traditional, that's what he calls rad trad Catholics, have now taken up residence in this company. Their social media accounts commonly promote accelerationist and survivalist content, along with combat medical and tactical training, As well as memes depicting uh, balaclava-clad gunmen that draw on the terror wave or warcore aesthetic that is popular in far-right circles. Who talks like that? Who is this guy? (laughs) Two more paragraphs. Can you bear them? Can you bear? Will you allow me to write, read two more? All right. Here we go. You're welcome to interrupt me if you want. Yet the convergence with Christian nationalism, here we go, here it is, Christian nationalism. If you're a follower of Christ and you're also a patriot, the new thing is you're labeled as a Christian nationalist and you're evil because you equate Christianity with the United States of America, which is a falsehood. It is okay to be a patriot to work for the country in which you live to support the country in which you live and be a person a person of faith in fact dating back to the ancient nation of Israel taken captive in Babylon for 70 plus years they were told by the prophet Jeremiah to pray for the welfare of the country in which they now reside, because if it does well, you'll do well. There's ancient history behind this. All right, this guy probably doesn't know that at all. All right, the ethical convergence within Christian nationalism is cemented in common causes such as hostility towards abortion rights advocates, the pro-choice protests that followed the leaked early draft of the Supreme Court decision in Dobbs v. Jackson, Women's Health Organization, which overturned Roe v. Wade, led to a profusion of social media posts on the far right fantasizing about killing activists. And such forums responded to Pride Month this year with extremist homophobic and transphobic groomer discourse. Rad Trad Networks are also involved in organizing rosary-branded events that involve weapons training. All right, here's this concluding paragraph. Catholics are taught to love and forgive their enemies that to do otherwise is a sin, but the extremist understanding of spiritual warfare overrides that command. To do battle with Satan, whose influence in the world is, according to Catholic demonology, real and menacing, is to deploy violence for deliverance and redemption. The battle Bead's culture of spiritual warfare permits radical traditional Catholics literally to demonize their political opponents and regard the use of armed force against them as sanctified. The sacramental rosary isn't just a spiritual weapon, but one that comes with physical ammunition. Daniel Paniton is his name. Do you notice, first of all, normal people don't write like this, and they don't talk like this. This is full of inflammatory verbosity. How about that, Mr. Paniton? And, and th- this whole demonization of faith-based people is going to grow. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. It's going to grow as we move ahead. We're going to see, you're going to hear it more and more, those Christian nationalists Any pastor like me who's also a patriot is going to be a Christian nationalist. Well, watch for that buzzword and realize that it's a falsehood. Realize that what it stands for is a falsehood. Anytime we start labeling people like that, we have to look beneath the covers, look behind the curtain, and look at what's behind this. And, and you notice, reading between the lines, the, the tones that this guy takes, when he even talks, he says, to do battle with Satan, whose influence in the world is, according to Catholic demonology, real and menacing. So he obviously is, I don't think, a person of faith. And he's really being sarcastic about those people who believe there's evil and a devil. And uh, he's, I think, really taking aim at uh, the, the Roman Catholic faith. And although I'm not a Roman Catholic, I would say to Mr. Paniton, grow up, speak truth. But you have the right to say what you want to say, as I have to push back on you. All right, we'll continue conversations tomorrow. 3 to 5 p.m. here on the Mike Douglas show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Have a great night.